What is cancel culture? And is it as big a deal as people make it out to be? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Well, hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, self-loathing procrastinator. And with me, as always, is my depressingly dashing co-host. Nathan Clarkson. I am an actor, author, filmmaker, and poet. I actually really enjoy writing poetry. Do you like it? It's, it's, a, it's sort of a lost art now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially really depressing, sad poetry. That, that's my thing. <laughs> Oh, that's well, I'm sure you will make so much money on that. <laughs> Just like all the other depressing, sad poets. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Oh, well. So today we are taking a look at talking about discussing cancel culture. Recently, J.K. Rowling joined Margaret Atwood, Noam Chomsky, and other famous names in signing an open letter condemning what they refer to as cancel culture. Cancel culture is a new phrase in our cultural lexicon, but it is one that has quickly leapt to the forefront of our culture wars. The phrase is used to refer to the trend to try to use social pressure, particularly social media pressure, to end the careers or celebrity status of figures that say or do something you'd find offensive or vile. The phrase is everywhere now. Look at Twitter and you'll see people regularly either decrying the spread of cancel culture or denying any problems with cancel culture. Those against cancel culture claim it creates a climate that discourages free expression and exchange of ideas. Defenders of cancel culture claim it gives marginalized groups a way to fight back against people with more power than them, and that the people who are canceled rarely face truly life or career ruining consequences. The first and strongest voices against cancel culture were stand-up comics and comedian conservative political commentators. But it's now even Hollywood actors like Joaquin Phoenix who are speaking up about it. According to Vox Magazine, the term to cancel someone seemed to have been coined back in 1991 film New Jack City to refer to breaking up with someone, but the phrase really took off in 2014 after it was used in the reality show Love and Hip Hop, at which point it spread to social media and began being used against celebrities rather than individuals. Now, Nathan, let's be honest. You and I are both almost definitely going to be canceled at some point. (laughs) We are way too opinionated about the wrong things. So... Given that, how do you feel about cancel culture? And if you were going to be canceled, what would you want it to be for? Oh, boy. Uh, On your first point, I have no doubt that we are within days, perhaps minutes of being canceled. (laughs) And, um, you know, anybody who has, I've noticed in, in modern culture, who has opinions, especially on very touchy subjects, tends to walk this very thin ice and fine line, mixing metaphors there, um, where they uh, where they either have to speak very softly and ambiguously about uh, what they think uh, or risk if they speak strongly about something being canceled. So the whole cancel culture is interesting. I don't think it's new, but I think the the like you said yeah. the word and the phrase is just putting a name to something that's been kind of um, happening since the dawn of time. You know, as I look throughout history in the old days, if you didn't like somebody or something they said, um, you would just guillotine them. You'd kill them. And now instead of, of killing the people who are saying things we don't like, we tend to 
quote unquote, cancel them, make sure they aren't relevant. They don't have a career. They can't say anything hurtful again. Now, that being said, I do understand um, the the impetus behind it. You know, I do understand that there are people in power who really abuse that power and who have done things that are repugnant and should be called out. And we shouldn't ignore these things, especially we saw this with the Me Too movement and me having lived in Hollywood. I have numerous stories from friends of mine and even my own um, in which people with power abused that power to uh, to get favors either sexually or financially or whatever it is from other people um, who were in positions of lesser power. So I understand the cancel culture. I understand why it exists, but I do think it comes with dangers. I do think it comes with particular um, uh things we ought to watch out for rather than just jumping in full force to this movement. Um, okay. So, what, so what, that's uh, kind of where, yeah, that's kind of where I am on it. Which, what, what sort of dangers do you think do you sort of see potentially that there are? Well, you know, there was this, the, the movement back in, I'm going to, I think it was the eighties or nineties with the moral majority. And you ah, had, yeah. you had very, um, uh, what's the word fundamentalist kind of moralist type figures uh, very much trying to uh, instate their morality for everyone, that everyone should act a certain way, say things a certain way. And pretty much within this culture, within this Christian subculture, if they didn't, they were pretty much canceled. And, you know, they had their own words for that, whether it's heretic or, or false prophet or whatever it is, um, that was their cancel culture. And I feel like there was a reaction to that and people wanted to do what they want and say what they want and live the way they want. And so they went off and, and you know, culture kind of has gone the way it has. Um, but now it's funny, we're, we're right back to this moralism, which if you step out of line or say the wrong thing or made an off-color joke or did something in your youth even that was bad, um, you now have people who are canceled forever. You know, we, we have talked about this before. I think one of the major issues is... Um, you know, as Christians, we believe in forgiveness and redemption. We believe in second chances. We believe that we are all fallen and fallible people. And cancel culture kind of expects perfection out of everybody. And if you step out of line, you are eternally canceled. You should not be listened to. You should not have a career and you should not have any influence. And there should be no redemption, whether publicly or privately. So I think we can fall into a very moralistic trap with this cancel culture. And we can kind of see ourselves as the good guys. And we can force everyone to live in this very tight kind a fearful box that they fall out of uh, this moral square that they will be on the outs of culture. And I think that really mirrors what we saw in the very moralist movements that we've seen through throughout Christianity and religion uh, for thousands of years. And I think the same danger that existed in the moralistic Christian teachings that immediately canceled, quote unquote, people and sent them in the outs, we're seeing this happen within culture and we're canceling people uh, without hope of redemption. And we're asking people to all live to a very moralistic standpoint and whose morals we don't know, but we're kind of making up as we go. But I, I think this isn't a great way to exist and move in society, especially one where we want to hear people what they think. We want to hear people people's actual words and want in a free exchange of ideas. And if we are fearful that we will be quote unquote canceled, that will really put a quail on people feeling the freedom to speak and work out things and understand. That is a, wow. So there's a lot there and a Sorry. lot that <laughs> I had thought about this a little bit <laughs> at a time. Gosh, darn it. No, we're <laughs> here. Not at all. Um, no, I think you make a lot of excellent points that I, I that I agree with. And I want to, I want to bring out and sort of, uh, add on to the, you know, first of all, you know, that there really is some really great stuff at the heart of cancel culture, some really positive things. You know, the, the fact is that, you know, we, you, people are, 
Our words have consequences. Our words can hurt other people. Our actions can hurt other people. And historically, you know, people have known that. And people who have power particularly can abuse that and get away with having consequences without get away with it without facing consequences. And the thing is, if historically the answer to that has been, okay, let's make a law against it. You know, let's kill someone for stepping out of line, for, you know, preaching the wrong truth, you know, for saying something, spreading ideas that could be harmful, or for doing things that harm others. And the I the idea is was that you know, the new idea was that maybe there are ways of handling this that don't involve putting someone in jail for it. You know, people, you know, oftentimes who are decry cancel culture also, you know, are really big fans of John Locke. You know, one of John Locke was one of the people, you know, who came up with the idea of freedom of religion and freedom of expression. But one of his things was that he spoke about, because he was trying to solve the problem of how do we keep, you know, religious wars from happening and people from, mm-hmm. you know, Catholics from killing each other. And one of his, his solutions to that was, okay, let's have freedom of religion and freedom of association. And it's like, okay, people can believe what they want to believe. They don't have to be forced to believe anything they don't want to believe. But people, he anticipated the response, which was, but then does that mean I have to put up with heretics in my church and people spreading, you know, spreading false doctrine within my church? Because I don't want to do that. And he said something very interesting, which was that the freedom to associate means the freedom not to associate. And so that means if someone is in your church saying something you don't like, you can kick them out of your church. Hmm. Like that is okay. That is not a contradiction to the idea of freedom of speech or freedom of expression. If somebody's saying something you don't like, you don't have to listen to them. If somebody is saying something you don't like, or doing things you don't like, you don't have to associate with them. And that is the alternative to, you know, um, fighting back against somebody with the rule of law is fighting back against somebody by with social pressure. And I think that it's a positive thing that we have moved in society where more things are under the degree of social pressure, where it's like, no, we're going to socially shame someone if they do something wrong, rather than having to pass a law about it. And that's how we create sort of, you know, social regulation against bad behavior without necessarily passing a law. You However, so my problem is that I actually like the idea. I don't mind the fact that, like, you know, companies even like Twitter or YouTube and Facebook can, you know, ban certain activities from their platforms. They are private platforms, and I don't actually have a problem with that, even though, you know, many people who agree with me politically have a problem with that. The thing is that you brought up some of the very problematic aspects of cancel culture as it exists today. You also brought up the fact that this is not new. This is not because it's like, yes, the moral majority and other, you know, uh, you know, other people have always, people have always done this, the social shaming aspect of it. The problem is, A, it's the standards are not good and not, you know, set. Um, mm. So they're predictable. Like, for example, you know, you, the reason that it's a problem with freedom of speech is that people are saying, okay, we're going to cancel somebody who disagrees with me. And it's not something so out left field, like again, okay, we're going to cancel Richard Spencer, who is an out and out racist, or people who are fascists. We're not necessarily going to do that. We're going to cancel people who are, you know, just to the left of me or just to the right of me on the political aisle. You know, so it's, it's so narrow. The ideas that are acceptable that you can are so narrow that it's only people who agree with my very narrow interpretation that I'm going to 
you know, not cancel. And not everybody cancels people like that, but there's enough voices that are trying to cancel people who are just the right or left of them on the political aisle that people are afraid of any speech rather than just um, rather than just really extreme speech. I've also other- seen, oh, I'm going to let you finish, but I've also seen it's not even just the political right or left. There can be someone who agrees with you totally, who has been the good um, fall in yeah. line person and they make a mistake. They say something wrong. Yes. And yeah. it's not even that they believe something wrong. It's that they do something wrong in a moment, in a tweet, in a, in an interview or whatever it is. And because they misspoke or they happen to believe something slightly different than you, that right. requires cancel culture too, which I think is really, is really dangerous. Sorry. Continue. No, no, no. That's the thing. But that's the thing is that also the rules are not consistent. Yes. And so people don't know ahead of time what's going to get them into trouble. Because if you knew ahead of time what was going to get you into trouble, you could say, okay, here's the line and I'm willing to go over that line or I'm not going to willing to go over that line. But if because you don't know, you pull back further and are afraid to say anything that might be close to that. And again, that is was one of the problems with the moral majority is that because it, they were so narrow in what they allowed, that meant that no creativity could develop, no no kind of expression could develop. And so then it became a stifled movement because you couldn't allow for experimentation of any kind. You kind of think that cancel culture would have a negative, and I, I agree with you, I'm just an interesting thing about that, would have a negative, of course it would, um, impact on art because if you're going to be scared to, in an interview, say something wrong, imagine how scared you're going to be to write something wrong in a movie or a book. That is interesting. And it will actually uh, quail creativity and make it so you are you are fearful of offending someone when going to be, uh, when going to make something. That's interesting. And that's the thing is that that kind of, and that's why stand-up comedians have been some of the pe- biggest people to push back on this, regardless of their political, you know, affiliation or their, you know, I, it's, there's an ideological unity in this idea, even though, you know, for like standard comedians are into this too, because like they have to ride up against the line to do two things. One, to get people to laugh, but also to tell the truth. And sometimes the truth is not something that's popular. And so you kind of have to, Nostalgia Critic did this interesting thing where he was like, okay, no, 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 it was not. It was, um, oh, what was it? It was another guy. It was uh, Folding Ideas or it was, um, oh gosh, sorry. I'm, I'm a oh, nerd writer one who says like, you know, we do need comedians to be able to go right up to the line. And if you don't know where that line is, then you don't actually truth. You don't actually discover the truth. If there's not enough of a robust debate so that the Overton window, you know, the acceptable discourse is wide enough. You don't actually discover what the truth is. Yeah. I think it's that that's, that's true. We don't have it um, boundaried as a, I made up a word. We don't have it uh, uh, planned like out or understood. Thank you. We, there is no uh, metric for which we can weigh. Right. And I think a lot of this comes out of, if I'm, if I'm, looking into this uh through the context of history um you know like we're talking about the this is something that's been going on forever and ever and we used to have witch trials or guillotines we kill someone who stepped out of line socially um especially religiously uh you know witch trials uh and you know they i just watched the movie recently called the crucible and it's all about written by arthur miller beautiful play um, it's, but it's all about um, stepping out of line from what the community has deemed right or right. wrong. And uh, essentially, it's all based on what they, their religious practice. And it shows, it, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it, it descends <laughs> from there. And it, and it ends pretty badly, I would say. Um, you know, we're all familiar with with witch trials and what a travesty those were. And those are you kind of see the same thing happening then and today. But the difference is, um, what I think is interesting is that 
you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes that there is an intrinsic desire for, for, um, truth and religion, yeah. and God and boundaries. But since we've removed God from modern culture, we are kind of looking and trying to decide and figure out what is right and wrong. We're doing this without God. And so I think cancel culture is kind of this image of an entire culture trying to decide what is a sin and what is not quote unquote. Yeah. And so it, it's interesting to see people being canceled for quote unquote sins in a post-religious age that does feel very reminiscent of the Puritans who would kill witches because they did something that fell outside of the religious practices the community had agreed upon. And that's exactly what's happening now. We've become Puritans, just Puritans without God. Well, that's an excellent point. I mean, you know, again, it goes even further, like back to Socrates, you know, who was killed because he was, you know, saying things that were corrupting the youth. You know, this interesting. is interesting universal sort of human thing. It's like, you know, that we, we need to hold people accountable for the things they say, but, you know, okay, we've now have less violent means to do it, but you actually make an excellent point, which is that in most of these cases, actually, there is a unified set of morals and mores. And right now, are, we become such a pluralistic society that nobody knows that they're crossing the line because everybody has a different line. And Interesting. that's- and, and, and there's no consensus about that. And so you'll have certain people over here who they have one standard and they will scream that they need to be canceled. And other people will have a different line. They won't care about that line. And because there's no consensus, you just don't know what's going to, what's going to come. And the thing is, this is the other thing is that it wouldn't, it's honestly like wouldn't be so bad, wouldn't be so dangerous if it wasn't for the thing that of advertisers. Because what oftentimes these people do is they will say, you advertisers cannot, you know, sponsor or advertise with this person because they have ideas that are bad. And the problem is advertisers advertise with everybody. They don't endorse the views of the people that they're advertising with. You know, ExpressVPN, I can tell you, like every ExpressVPN advertises with everybody. And if you want to advertise with us, we would not mind that. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, we'll take whatever we can get. <laughs> um, but the thing is, the, the problem that is, is that advertisers can't, you know, figure out, you can't like vet the people, the speech that they, you know, that they, of the people who are, you know, they're advertising with, they don't have the time to do that with everybody they're advertising with. And so that means is that the advertisers just simply pull from people with opinion or people who are at all possibly, you know, edgy. And so the only people like, you know, that YouTube is, as this is an interesting thing is YouTube has become a place where the, where the only kind of people that they allow to monetize on that channel are people who are extremely what is called brand safe, where so mm -hmm. brands are going to be on there and they're going to, it's like, I don't want this person to be at all. I just, so it's only like Rhett and Link, you know, people who are just, you know, making, you know, jokes about the food that they're eating or doing experiments with food. And it's nothing that's at all boundary pushing because, you know, nobody has time. You know, advertisers have time. So it, it takes away the incentive for there to be a public square at all. Yes. Um, and actually it punishes you for a public square. And what, what kind of occurred to me, interestingly enough, in talking about what – off of what you just said, how people are – have been canceled for what they say or what they do because they fall out of, um, you know uh, – the bounds of what we decide is acceptable, or at least the higher ups decide is acceptable. Um, it's, it's interesting in thinking that, you know, I mentioned the Salem witch trials. I, and I mentioned, uh, you know, the guillotines and I, you go back to the moral majority and you have these, these punishments, uh, for people who say and do don't fall in line with what we believe. And, you know, not to be this guy, but this kind of happened 2000 years ago 
when Jesus was essentially canceled. He essentially said things and did things that the higher ups didn't like. And so they eventually crucified him. And now that was a physical death. And now we've moved on because we're so much more advanced now. Now we've moved on to, like you were saying, monetary death. We've moved on to public death, to social death. So it is interesting that this cancel culture goes all the way back and affected uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was essentially, for all intents and purposes, he was canceled for the things he said and did. And I and I want to touch on one thing really quick, which is interesting to me uh, about the psychology and what this does to us is, you know, Jesus preached against uh, pharisaical ideas all the time. Those were kind of the people who came, kept, kept on coming against him and ultimately, quote unquote, canceled him, crucified him. Yeah. And it's interesting to me what it does to people when we believe that someone should be canceled when we say you know they need to be quiet and they need to be punished for the thing they said or did i think that creates a real danger and we saw this in the moral majority and we've seen this throughout christianity uh, and religion on a whole is when a group of people get together and say not even group people when individuals get on twitter and say this person should be canceled because i didn't like what they said um, and they they have sinned, essentially. They've made a social sin and they should be erased and they should be punished. What it does is it removes any sort of grace, any sort of empathy, any sort of understanding. And, you know, you've talked about this again, and I hope you'll mention it again, uh, or redemption. There's no yeah. chance for those things. And it also removes any introspection because, you know, I there's a great quote from a man who was canceled, um, uh, the uh, comedian Louis oh, no. C. Yeah, oh. Louis C.K. He he was canceled a few years ago because of things that came out about him. Yeah, <laughs> but, but essentially, yes, his name is a bad word now, and he's yeah. canceled. And he recently is you know, in some fashion or another trying to make a comeback. And he made a quote, and he said, "You are so lucky that I don't know your thing. Do you understand how lucky you are?" Sure. He says, yeah. "Everybody knows my thing now. Obama knows my I th- my thing. Do you understand how that feels?" And essentially, what he's saying is, you know, because I was famous and all cameras and eyes were on me, you yeah. saw my mistake, you saw my sin, and I was canceled for it. But essentially, he's saying we all have these sins, we all have these mistakes. And in cancel culture, it's basically divvying people up into people who don't have mistakes and people who do, and we cancel the ones who do, as opposed to recognizing we are all sinful, fallible people who will make mistakes now. We need to be held accountable for those mistakes. We need to rectify those mistakes and learn from them and grow. But to say that any one person doesn't have a mistake or doesn't have a thing or a sin is, um, is false. We all are broken people with mistakes and fallibilities. Um, and I think the cancel culture really endangers of us of self-righteousness and thinking that we are perfect and that we, uh, and also will push us to hide any of our things as opposed to work through them, uh, in any kind of public or private way, because we don't want to get caught and be in and be immediately pushed to that bad crowd. So I think there's so many detrimental things to cancel culture. I can't even cover them all, but yeah. So I thought that was interesting and it kind of went hand in hand with Jesus quote, let ye who is without sin cast the first stone. That's an excellent point that you that you made, which is that it does try to separate the people who like who are the sinners from the people who are not sinners. And the 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 big problem is this goes back to our lack of consensus. There because you will get well you talk about this a lot sort of in you know some of the big problems within religious communities are the fact that you know it incentivizes people to hide rather than to become redeemed and to change. Mm. 
and that's that's a point you've made a lot, and you've made it in your movies, like um, the the uh, the what was it, the Good Samaritan one, yep. the Unlikely Good Samaritan. Yes, again, that was a big point of that. It was um, um, inside of people to hide rather than to get redemption. And part of the thing is we do not have an agreed upon um, path to redemption as a culture. Yes. We don't know what that yeah. looks like. We don't have because that thing with Louis C.K., which I thought was so fascinating, was when he was trying to, you know trying to come back like it, there was so much argument or disagreement about should he be allowed to come back at what point should be he be allowed to come back and what should hoops should he have to go through to be allowed to come back and it's like you know that's a good question to ask because you're right we do need to hold people accountable we, we need people to know beforehand what is what they're going to have pay consequences for or not but we also need to be an agreed upon set of um, a principles of what people need to be held accountable for. And so people know beforehand, if they do something, they know they're going making that choice that you go, okay, you know, I could get, I, I could get in trouble for this. But we also need to know like, what people do people have to do to be allowed to be redeemed. And, you know, and I think that that's not a, the fact that cancel culture is toxic is a symptom of that, that as a society, we do not know the answer to that. And that's the thing we have to decide. It's like, okay, is it that a person has to make an apology to the person that they're wronged and that person has to forgive them? You know, is like that the criteria to allow that person back into the public sphere? You know, what it, what is it? And I think that that's, to going forward, those are the questions, those are some of the questions we have to answer. But I'd be also be interested in, you know, go, you can respond to what I said. Obviously, I'm not trying to move this into a different direction. No, totally. The other thing I'm wondering is, that, okay, is... What? Because we both said there are good things about cancel culture, good impulses, good problems it's trying to solve. But then we also agree that a lot of times the way it's being done now is toxic. How would we make it not toxic? Or what would we do to um, do something different? Because that's the other thing. I'll just bring this to the thing. The Vox article I quoted earlier, one of the points they make also is that many social activists nowadays, their problem with cancel culture is that it's not effective. When you do cancel somebody, it doesn't actually cause the change that you're trying to see socially or with the person. And so what is either a better way to do it other than cancel culture, or is there are ways we can improve the problems with it so that we can have a better form of social um, regulation in society? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question. What is First of all, the framework in which we have to know what is right and wrong. And the second is what is, how can we do it better? Oh man, I think that's a loaded question. And I think that we've <laughs> never really figured it out. And I'm talking both religious and secular, I think. Right. Um, and they both kind of end up looking the same. I've said this about other things, but it's funny how much they mirror each other, how much the yeah. uh, Puritans mir- mirror this kind of cancel culture, uh, which right. has these ill-defined lines of what you can and cannot do. And Puritans are a little more defined about it. But right. I think what has to happen um, ultimately is for us, before we throw that stone, uh, as Jesus said, is realize introspectively, wow, I'm a broken person. I yeah. make mistakes. I sin. And while I might not have sinned in this particular way or that particular way, I have fallen short of the glory of God. I am not perfect. And so it's from this position, very humble position, we approach and say and try to figure things out. Because I think if we approach it from the self-righteous, well, I'm perfect and this person did something I don't like, 
then all we're doing is going back to this religious puritanical um, kind of society. And we might have removed God out of it now, but it's still going to be just as harmful in, in many ways. It's yeah. still going to be a witch hunt for, and it's still going to create fear and going to, it's going to squelch creativity. It's going to make people uh, more scared to admit um, what they're, what they're struggling with, they're dealing with. And the church has done uh, sometimes a very poor job of helping people do this. Yeah. So it's, and I hate, you know, hate to be kind of a hippie over here, but it's creating an environment in which people can, um, one, be free to work through and talk about their confusion, their mistakes, uh, their doubts, whatever it might be. And two, um, like you said, I think we do need a grid from of morality to understand what is right and what is wrong. And I hate to say this as a Christian guy, but that would be found in scripture. That would be found. Um, but if you look at Jesus and how he applied scripture, Jesus hung out with people who would today and in their own uh, time would be canceled. Uh, yeah. Be that the prostitutes or the tax collectors, he was hanging out with the people who would be today canceled, and eventually he was canceled. And so, um, but what he didn't do was just say, "Okay, well, you made a mistake, whatever, big deal, um, right? Cool." What he what he offered them was redemption, a new way, a new way to walk, and that came through humility, that came through repentance. And so, I think if someone messes up publicly. Um, messes up one of these one of these rules or laws or morals that we have agreed upon as a society. If they mess up publicly, we have to first approach them with humility and say we've all messed up, and then second say how can we rectify this? And if that person wishes to be rectif- uh, you know, to rectify their their uh, mistake, wishes to uh, humble themselves and ask for forgiveness and uh, seek repentance, then I think that is the sign in which we see that someone um, should be welcomed back in and encouraged in more healing rather than just ousted from uh, any kind of public society. And this is hard. We want justice. And of course, justice is important. And we have to find, but we have to find ways to do that humbly. Um, uh, and we have to find a way to do that, realizing that we've all fallen short in some way or another. So I don't know if there's ever going to be a one, two, three plan, but I do think it's a, it's a positioning yourself of with humility and it's a positioning yourself with wanting the best for people with, and wanting the best is redemption, is humility and is repentance and celebrating when someone does offer those things publicly and really sincerely. Yeah, I think that that's an excellent point. I mean, you know, one of the one of the things that is entertaining is that I see people who are comedians. I've seen this at comedians, establishment comedians who are very like in favor of cancel culture and they talk how in favor they are of it. And then the minute that it happens to them, <laughs> even if it's such a very small thing. Like they like, you know, I was, you know, there's a I'll say, you know, Sarah Silverman, you know, like it was very like pro cancel culture, and then she got like missed out on a role. You know, just like one role in a movie. And then she was like, oh, this is a big problem, cancel culture. <laughs> and it's like, so we do need to have that level of humility. And it's like, okay, what if it happens to us? Like, it could be us because we're not intrinsically better. I mean, like, in all of the people who, all of the comedians who were talking about the horrible people who, you know, for wearing blackface, which, yeah, bad thing, who all have come out as having worn blackface in their comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's ironic like, it's it's showing that we all make mistakes and we all do we all do things that would fall out of what we agree as a society is right or wrong right and so that's that's the thing is is that how you know you you have to come at this saying like saying that it could happen to me um but you also have to be on the other side of coming at this of it could happen to me that i'm actually hurt by someone 
and need them to be held accountable. Mm. And, you know, you, you have to be able to, you know, in the Kantian say, like be on both sides of it. And how would you want to be if you were on either side of it or the John Rawlsian kind of, you know, uh, position of ignorance idea. The, I think that there, honestly, I keep getting so much inspiration always from Alcoholics Anonymous. Hmm. Because Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, it has these, it really has a 12 step program that like it's, you know, it came out of a Christian uh, worldview and, you know, Christian people, but their 12 step program, you know, is, is still like, it, it holds up and it holds up for secular and uh, religious people. Um, the idea of that humility, like, you know, you don't have control, you know, you have power greater, there's power greater than yours, but then also, you know, their process of, of, of redemption, you know, it means you have to have somebody, it have, means admitting you have a problem, admitting it, and then also work. And then also getting someone who's a mentor to help you getting accountability. And then also, um, going and actually making an effort to reconcile with every single person that you have wronged that you know of. And I think, um, you know, I think that that, I think looking at models like that, and of course in the Bible, they talk about like, you know, if you have a problem with somebody going, I forget where, which, where this verse is, I need to be like, you know, but they say, okay, go to the individual first and then bring somebody else into it and then bring the community into it and should be local first. But again, the part of the reason that we have cancel culture is that the local communities have sort of fallen down on the job where it's like, you know, again, Hollywood, you know, was local community covering up for each other. Yes. And so, you know, I mean, that's where, you know, the sort of the, um, uh, I'm, I, I keep, I keep wanting to quote people and not being sure I'm quoting the right person. Um, but the, um, but, but, uh, oh, the, the idea of sphere sovereignty, who, whichever, whatever Pope it was who came up with it. <laughs> one of them, uh, probably a, a Leo or something. John Paul, maybe Pope John Paul, maybe Pope Leo, who talked about one of the Catholic, our Catholic listeners are all going to be like, <laughs> but <laughs> they got our email. They can write they us. Email. Exactly. exactly. Um, you know, it's, who talked about, uh, if you tell me who it is, I'll, I'll, I'll say it in a later broadcast. But anyway, who talked about sphere sovereignty and then like when the local community fails, the wider community has to step in. And in that case, that can sometimes be the social media and the internet. Because again, you know, the, the idea that Twitter brought down Harvey Weinstein is not too far off from the truth. I, you know, the idea that the wider community can be involved in that. But I think that we need to figure out what, you know, what times does it work? In what places does it work? At what times is the local community failing? Um, and then when we are looking at them, you know, if somebody has done something illegal, you go through it that way. You know, again, like someone has done like physical harm to other people. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like it's, there's certain things where it's like if somebody has done physical harm, like sexual assault, rape, murder, th they shouldn't be canceled. They should be in jail. Yes, there needs <laughs> to be a legal uh, yeah, uh, response to that. Like, so it's like they're legal. And if that's failing, certainly, you know, canceling them, you know, economically. But like, you know, the legal at that point, the legal system has failed. But then when it's beyond that, when it comes into social things, you know, I think that idea of, you know, the first thing we need to start off with is we actually have to have the debate about our morals in our society. But then also it's like people should only be canceled for things at the peripheries. Like, again, if somebody is saying something wrong, saying something offensive, saying something bad you don't like, um, you know, calling them out is like the first step. But if it's, if it's something really bad, you cancel them. And if even if they do something really bad and they're canceled for it, you know, the, they need to be given a way to come back. We need to all sort of agree on what that way is to come back. And I think I that's... Like, go ahead. Keeping, 
making that, and the thing is, making that part of discussion, okay, what does it look like? What things should be the things we cancel people for? And what is the criteria for coming back? I think is a great, um, the, the conversation we should be having. Yeah. And, and just to wrap up here, I really like that you brought up Alcoholics Anonymous because I think it does almost exactly on a small scale uh, what we should be doing for all of society. Uh, mm. It says it's not ignoring that there's a problem. In fact, the right. first step is admitting you have a problem. It, acts, it asks you to admit that you have done something wrong, but then it gives you a way, it gives you steps towards a better life, a healthier life, redemption. It gives you a, a methodology and a, and, a, and a progression that brings you back into wholeness. And I think that's what the entire Christian message is about, is it re- it's realizing we are broken, it's admitting that problem, we need help, and then God offers us this path, this way that we can follow that brings us into redemption, into wholeness again. So I think if we could apply those principles found in places like uh, Scripture, found in places like Alcoholics Anonymous, it says it doesn't yeah. say ignore the problem because a lot of you know the people who are against cancel culture just say ignore it, just let it roll off your back. No, we we can yeah. talk about things that we shouldn't say that are inappropriate, that are wrong or hurtful um, uh, socially, but then we have to take those people and and not just cancel them internally, but say, you did something wrong, but here is the way um, to rectify what you have done. Give them a, a path towards redemption. And I think that'll create a healthier environment socially for all of us, while also um, creating less of an environment of fear that will have, like you pointed out, an effect on creativity and freedom and people having the ability to admit the things they're struggling with. So I definitely think there's a mix. Of course, we need to call out things that people do that are wrong, that are hurtful and destructive. But also with these people, we need to offer them, should they take the, uh, uh, choose to take this path, need to offer them a path towards redemption and wholeness because that is what God does for us. It, you know, it says in scripture, if we do not forgive, God will not forgive us. Or, or to, you know, and God forgives us, we must go and forgive others. So I think forgiveness and understanding that we are all fallible and we have all need that path towards redemption and wholeness will be the start of hopefully a healthier dialogue and space for us to exist in uh, with a bunch of fallible tr- people trying to figure out this world together. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for this all anything that we said here to be used against us later when we get in trouble. For- <laughs> is it, is it um, ironically, the episode that's going to get us canceled. I can't wait. It's 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 gonna it's it's gonna happen. Um, but no, it, whatever we do in the future, someone's going to go back to this and use clips we had out of context in order to uh, show what, how we're hypocrites. And you know, it's it's great. I've accepted it. It's fine. It's great. Um, that's where we live in. Uh, you know, God bless Jesus Christ having a savior. Um, but in any case, now we we can go on to our own form of uh, celebrating and canceling uh, piece of art. <laughs> we should call that call it that today. The celebration and canceling. Yeah, we're going to bless and cancel uh, pieces of art, which is a regular segment where we find a piece of art to bless and to curse, and in this case, to cancel. Um, so. Nathan, do you have uh, something that's maybe, you know, whatever it is today, maybe it's something particularly offensive that you want to celebrate or cancel or just something that you know that you want to celebrate or cancel today? Oh, man. You know, in uh, in the spirit of what I've said, 
I'm only going to choose something to celebrate today. And I, yeah, I know, right? Uh, because I, because I've actually seen a lot of things that I really like. But the one thing that I actually mentioned in this episode that I've seen recently um, was the originally a play, then became a movie with White Nona Ryder and oh, what's that actor? Ah, yes, and Daniel Day Lewis. What's that actor's name? The actor. <laughs> um, but it's The Crucible, and I think this movie it, on one. Uh, just the top level is just so beautifully written. Arthur Miller is just a genius yeah. um, in yeah. playwriting and it shows the human condition and it's, it's heartrending and beautiful and human. Um, and on, you know, it's shot well, it's acted incredibly, both everyone does an amazing job. And on another level, I think it shows so well and viscerally the danger of both self-righteousness, uh, Pharisee mindset, and uh, ultimately, quote unquote, the cancel culture. So I think The Crucible is a beautiful movie that everyone should see at some point. And I'm not going to cancel something today because I am bucking the trend. Oh, man, you make me feel horrible because I am going to cancel. <laughs> you can make up for mine with like five. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I'll do it. Yeah. I, I, but I also, <laughs> also, I'm going to say, Good choice. I almost wish I had thought of that. Um, but no, I'm actually, so what I'm going to blast today is actually uh, a work of art by somebody who has been suggested to be canceled. He hasn't actually been canceled, but some people have suggested they like to cancel him. And I'm not endorsing everything this guy has done or said, obviously, but this is a piece of art he's done that I really like for a lot of reasons. It's um, Kanye West's Follow God. Um mm song and that's it's they got uh, on youtube it's a music video on youtube and what i really like about it is as somebody who's really concerned about sort of you know art that has to do with faith and and elevating that it was the the, the one you know track on the album jesus is king that he did that i really liked a lot because it's so honest and vulnerable and raw it's really him talking about talking to his father and wanting to talk to him and challenge him but every time he tries to challenge his father and get, gets angry at his father his father tells him he's not being christ-like mm. and so he and he and you know he's he's tr trying to find this balance of being honest with actually living up to holiness with, with god and and what following god looks like and at the end of the song is literally just a screaming you know wow. and when we talk about like, you know, and we talked about this before on other podcasts, like our, you know, Faith in Art podcast or our podcast with Tyler Smith, you know, uh, What's Wrong with Christian Films. We're talking about being honest and the honesty that comes with faith. We'd like to see in more art that has to do with faith. This is one of the most honest, you know, expressions of faith in art that I've, I've seen rec in recent days. And so I, I really, uh, and I was just reminded of it recently. And so I really wanted to, to push that because we've been having those conversations recently about what that can look like. And that's a good example, I think, of what that kind of um, faith and art and honesty and authentic uh, artistic expression looks like. Um, when it comes to something I'm going to curse, or in this case, my on theme, cancel, um, I'm actually going to go really controversial here. Um, I think I'm actually going to say, I'm going to cancel baby it's cold outside you know oh you're on theme <laughs> to go way right into the culture wars with that you know and i've, I've thought about this for a while because it's, it's so funny because when i grew up it was not a song that i liked because i was a good little fundamentalist christian boy <laughs> i was what you upset. were I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Um, but the thing is, I was upset, not because I thought that it was rapey. I didn't think it was, but because I was like, 
they're engaging in premarital sex. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, and so, but then of course I said, okay, fine. This is the culture. The culture we live in, you know, is okay with that. And I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm going to be a tolerant fundamentalist, right-wing Christian crazy. Um, but now it's like the, the culture is saying, Hey, we have these other problems with it. As a part of me, it's like, look, I, there's nothing in me as like, you know, it doesn't, it's nothing that actually I think affirms my values. I think maybe even if the people who are saying that they don't like it are overblowing it. I still don't think it's a positive or edifying or God glorifying uh, song. And so if they want to get rid of it, I say, fine, let them don't play it on the radio. I don't care. Um, I think it's worth getting rid of their much better Christmas songs that we can engage in that are wholesome and positive and I don't think it's worth keeping around. I'm so. actually 1000% with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we agree. Yeah, this song can this song can go. And I actually do think it's um, uh, relatively cancelable uh, for on a multitude of reasons. I think no one's wrong for canceling this. So <laughs> sorry. Sorry, this favorite song. But uh, this podcast. You know, I'm going to have some people if they listen to the podcast, who are going to get after me about that. But I don't care. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, so thank you so much for engaging in this. If you have problems with what you said or ways you want to add to this conversation, or if you want to detract from this conversation, or if you want to cancel <laughs> please send all your cancellations to, uh, wait, where are we sending them again now? Is it our email or is it our website? So you can you can get a hold of us by going to our website at theoverthinkersjournal.com. Uh, please, we want to hear all your thoughts. Um, and just give us like a, I don't know, a two-day heads up before you cancel us. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. let us know yeah. but we also have articles on there uh, we have some bios uh we have some really fun stuff film reviews we're going to be putting more of over the next little while so uh reach reach out to us there at the overthinkersjournal.com and if you want to get a hold of me or follow what i'm doing um or add to my um my measly follower list please find me on the socials uh you can just search my name nathan clarkson instagram facebook twitter all the all the all the usuals and uh joseph where can we find you you can find me at my website josephholmstudios.com you can find me on twitter at normalguy8 or instagram at holmes5905 and yes i think that that's it um and uh, th- yeah, thank you, guys, everyone. Thank you, alls, everyone. <laughs> and uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, uh, remember, until next time, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. <laughs>